Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Label Law Talks. Today, I will be talking with Tanasia Walker, editor, and Abby Oldroyd, fashion editor of Ray's Magazine, an arts and culture magazine based in Kingston, London. The magazine features articles on current topics, interviews with creatives in all facets of the art industry, and highlights the work of up-and-coming artists, designers, photographers, and more. The tagline is Debolish Constructs, Awaken Creativity, and... Ray's Magazine's print mag releases March 2021. Now, this week, we have a special, special, special surprise for you guys. While this is going to be a part of my Label Law Talks series, this is also going to be on their new Ray's Magazine podcast. So if you would like to listen in on my podcast, you can also listen in on their Ray's Magazine podcast as well, which will be linked in this episode's description. Also, for any of you guys that want to watch our conversation, you can go to thelabellaw.com and you will be able to see the video. So you'll be able to see all three of our faces. So get ready for this new episode of The Label Law Talks with Tanasia Walker and Abby Oldroyd. All right, guys. So this week we're doing a collaboration episode between The Label Law Talks and Ray's Magazine. So I have Tanasia Walker and Abby Oldroyd with me today. Hi, guys. My name is Tanasia Walker. I am the editor of Ray's Magazine, which is an arts and culture magazine devoted to um, breaking social barriers and giving um, up and coming artists a platform. Um, And this is Abby, so she can introduce herself. Yeah, so I am the fashion editor. And obviously, as Tanasia said, it's an arts and culture magazine, but we also have fashion, music and obviously arts and culture. Well, since this is a collaboration episode as well, I will introduce myself. My name is Grace Azuike. I am the podcast host of the Label Law Podcast, which integrates fashion and law together and bridges the gap between them. And the reason why we are going global today with Ray's Magazine is because fashion law is a global specialty, especially growing within Europe. And that is why I wanted to talk to you guys and you guys wanted to talk to me as well about what fashion law is. So um, fashion law basically is a legal specialty that goes within fashion. It has international law, it has corporate law and a big part of it is intellectual property. So that's the copyright, trademark, patent aspects, which covers the protection of a brand's brand essentially their images their design structures and even their trade secrets within their brand of how they make certain things yeah i'm not gonna lie i don't know anything about fashion law so (laughs) (laughs) well actually that's interesting because i wanted to go into um one of your articles abby actually that you wrote because with rays i know you guys have online right now and you're working on the print magazine which will be coming out in march but one of the articles that i read online was about sustainability in kingston and that's a big aspect of um fashion law because environmental law also goes within that so talk a little bit about that article yeah so the sustainability article is actually i think it was the first one i wrote when um, we first got to Kingston. And I think what made me want to write it is consumers, in, in my opinion, are becoming more motivated now more, than eth- now more than ever to make ethically conscious decisions, myself included. And I think major brands have sort of clocked onto that and they've sort of um, started incorporating that into a lot of their policies and a lot of their um, values, I suppose. So brands even like Stella McCartney, if you go on her website, mm-hmm. you know, there's a drop down menu for sustainability. And she speaks about the materials that they use, where they source them from, you know, what their plans are for the future. Um, 
as well as high street brands, but obviously fast fashion is a huge issue and that's like a whole other debate. Um, but I did also write an article on woke washing, um, greenwashing, which is about basically about brands that sort of exploit social issues. So there are a lot of brands that sort of exploit, you know, sustainability and being ethically conscious for the, you know their own benefit, which is obviously not good. But um, yeah, the article also explored, you know, this misconception that to shop sustainably it's really expensive, and that's not the case. So I suppose I really wanted to shed light on you know, where you can go to shop ethically without breaking the bank um, and going to all these, you know, secondhand stores, which there are loads in Kingston. So it was about sort of speaking about those, shedding light on those, um, which is obviously really handy as students because we have no money. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And I think because of fashion, like when you hear the word fashion, you automatically think like high fashion, couture, avant-garde. But just like you said, it's literally like going to a vintage store within your community and shopping with recycling and upcycling and um, more up up and coming designers, like you said, are thinking more about sustainability more than ever, just because of even in the U.S., for example, and Joe Biden's 100 day presidential plan, he already started um like a specific plan for sustainability within clothes and also outside of the fashion realm. So it is such a big thing that although you may not know about it formally, you really do know a lot more about fashion law than you really think you do. And another article that I read as well was Tanasia, your article was Vivid Vivi. Um, And we've talked a little bit about like licensing art for your magazine, whether it's print online. So talk a little bit about that process, a little bit of the frustrations that you've had in the UK. Well, um, as you can probably tell, I'm from the U.S., so I'm so used to, like, getting things, like, so much art is just so easily accessible, like, when I want to um, feature something on my website or anything like that, um, it's not much of a process, and, you know, getting getting that, as long as you, you cop, I mean, as long as you um, credit the artist and things like that, it, you can use it, but here in the U.K., there's actually a copyright law that keeps you from being able to use um, people's art as uh, unless they have like a um a what you call it explicit right yeah yeah unless you have full right there there you have full rights to use their art you cannot so for our magazine we have um it's been like a struggle just when with posting articles and things like that we're not able to um just take someone's art like for example um if Rihanna posts a picture and we want to spread news on that we can't just take Rihanna's photo. We have to go and find a photo that's um, that we have rights to, like on StockX and things like that. So it's been very difficult doing that. And then for we're actually creating our first issue of our print magazine, uh, which is coming out this March. And um, getting all of the art, we've had to actually go to the artists themselves and get, get visuals from them. We had to make sure anyone that we featured in the article had strong visuals. Um, but yeah, it's been definitely a process. It's totally different than what it is in the U.S., but... Yeah, because the U.S., I mean, when it comes to fashion, U.S. legislation doesn't really consider fashion. Well, they do consider it as an art, but they don't believe it should be as protected as deeply as like painting and sculptures and stuff like that. Whereas in the Europe, in the U.K., specifically Europe, since you guys are literally the house like of all of these major corporations like Mason Martin Margiela, Louis Vuitton, Burberry, like all of them are their headquarters are over there. Like we may have physical stores, but y'all have the physical like headquarters where they're actually working out of the office. So although it's transnational, 
they have the jurisdiction in the UK to make sure that it's being protected. And with the UK historically having these many people, they've been able to advocate a lot more longer than they have in the US. And like US legislation now is definitely changing towards making sure that fashion is protected. Like even with model law, like a lot of um, new legislation is coming out for models to protect them from being exploited. So it's like really interesting to hear you guys' um, side and like looking on the, on the online magazine, everything looks good, of course. Like you, you guys did what you had to do with the work. I mean, the limited amount of like art that you could use. So mm-hmm. it's just like really interesting. Yeah, Abby, you said something about woke washing. Mm-hmm. And so with woke washing, um, specifically with models, like I was saying, like with Jacomez having so many black models throughout the history of his entire collections and then with other people coming up now and having a lot more black models because it's in how do you how do you guys feel about that well (laughs) i was just gonna say i actually did a recent interview with um, a model her name is tani gunn um she's it's an interview for our print magazine which will be coming out soon but um basically she said that um like as a model, she she wants to create her own production company. And um, every time that she goes into one of her shoots, she tells her, like the people that she's working with, that I'm not just a model, I'm not just a pretty face because she notices brands like that want to um, use black models or like the eccentric looking models as like branding for their, their designs or for their brands, but they don't actually want them in that space to like work with them and like work on set and things like that. Um, and I was, I thought that was really, Really interesting that she said that and what Grace said about like Jacquemus, one of my favorite designers, but he um, he has done like a good job with getting like diversity on his runway and things like that. But he just recently posted a photo um, with his team and there was they were like all white, no black people on his team. And I think that's just like yeah. it just shows that there's only so much that they appreciate black people. It's like it's more so for the face rather than actually giving them that space, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Abby, do you have anything you wanted to add? I mean, first, I can't wait to read the article. I thought that's going to be really interesting. But um, yeah, I just think it's hugely problematic that a lot of brands do cash in on these um, issues. I mean, there's, you know, I remember when feminism sort of became like a bit of a trend. Everybody was like cashing in on that. And I mean, like, you could literally go into any store and find a T-shirt with feminism printed on it. And it doesn't mean anything. like it really does and it, you know they're probably not doing anything for the cause itself but you know just cashing in on that cause I just yeah I think it's really problematic and it's happening with a lot of brands it's just the same thing recently with like uh Black Lives Matter and exactly. around and people with black boxes on their Instagram and then when that died down like weeks later nobody's talking about anything anymore and it's just like okay you're just doing this to like yeah be, be in or be just so you don't look problematic, basically. Yeah. And also, I was actually going to speak on specifically that the Black Lives Matter movement, because Nike, Adidas, a lot of the shoe streetwear companies who know that Black people are the foundation, not even just Black people, just people of color in general, are really the foundation of sneakwear, mm-hmm. sneakerwear and streetwear. And um, they came out, you know, supporting, you know, Nike had the just do it, you know, all that stuff for the Black Lives Matter movement. But when you go into their company structure, literally Black people only work in their retail stores. Meanwhile, they only make up 3% of their executive team in the actual office. 
And that's a part of fashion law as well, because that has to do with like corporate and business law, employer law, especially with it being transnational, like making sure that even outside of the U.S. realm, like in the U.K., there there are black people there, like there are Asian people there, there are Hispanic people there. They may not be a vast majority, but they are there. And that representation is important because of just things like, for example, with Google and the voice uh, recognition. In the beginning, because of like the various accents that people have, voice recognition could not understand what people were saying. And that's because they didn't have, they didn't think about it. Like, oh yeah, like not everybody in America or not everybody in Europe or not everybody in Asia has the same accent. But because they didn't have those people in the rooms to tell them like, you know, you got to think about it. That's why that happened. The same like, thing, the same thing with the, like the, the thing that happened with H&M a while back where the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like if you had a black person on that team, that would have never happened. It's just like they would have known like this is extremely wrong. This can't even go out, but they don't. So that's why things like that happen. And back to model law with uh, Tanya that you're talking about and protecting her image, essentially. I really like that she used that specific wording because that's that's a major problem right now in the fashion industry when it comes to models because of the fact that like they're not... I mean, at the end of the day, without a model, like your clothes are not going to sell. Like people do not buy clothes when they haven't seen it on somebody, even if that person isn't their size, just being able to see like, how does this item run? How does it like flow when you're walking, all different stuff like that. And another thing about models is a lot of them start when they're very young, like 15 years old. And Mm -hmm. although like that life is glamour and glitz and all that, like at the end of the day, they're employees. And even like with COVID right now, like Jacqueline is like, of course, like you said, you love him. That's one of your favorite designers. Like I really admire him, but his um, Le Soleil fashion, like catwalk, mm-hmm. that could have been an issue because it's like, yeah, you socially distance all the people who are like watching the show, but the models are literally being touched by a million people, making sure that their hair is in place, their their earrings are in place, making sure the garment is laid correctly. And it's like, okay, but where as a model now, what if I get COVID? Where's the protection? Because I'm not, technically I'm a contracted employee. This is like going into a lot of law, legal stuff, but technically I'm a contracted employee. So I don't have the same protection as like your production team and so, like, once I get sick, like, it's not it's not the designer's responsibility anymore. It's literally my responsibility to figure out. Yeah. So that's a really interesting part. Um, I think that models are really left out of the fashion conversation in any aspect, not even just legal, but just, like, in any aspect. People kind of just forget models, like, as if they're just, yeah. Like, they're just an employee, like, like you said. Yeah. But Tani touched on that, too. She, oh, I don't want to say too much before the print comes yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Touch on that too. I'm going to just leave it there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this has really been an interesting, um, <laughs> no, you guys are actually hilarious, but this is an interesting um, conversation. I'm really happy that we were able to sit and talk about it, but I always ask every guest that comes on to the label law this, what, who is your favorite designer and why? <laughs> I mean, I already said, um, I think Jacquemus would have to be one of my favorite designers. Um, I think that he just, I really like minimalism clothing. I really like the like simplistic of his like designs and um, yeah, 
Yeah, I just think like the color scheme, like all the the overall like image of his brands, I just really love because it's not just simple, but he he implements like bold statement earrings and things that I like. Um, yeah, that's really it to be honest. And obviously, what she said about like him including diverse models, like although it's you know it can be seen a little problematic because he doesn't have people on his team. I also think that it is a good representation for um, black people who do like watch his shows. It's like, oh, wow, look at it. It's someone who looks like me. And they're not, it's not even just black models, to be honest. It's like he has all different types of models. So I think that's really good, especially nowadays. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, for me, I really like, I wear a lot of black. Um, I like quite minimal, you know, clothing. So like my favorite designer brand, I would have to like probably go with Chanel because I just think they're so timeless. But like I can also appreciate designers like Vivian Westwood, you know, who are like really out there and artistic. I probably wouldn't wear it myself, mm-hmm. but like I appreciate that it's like an art form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chanel too. Can't afford it. Love Chanel. Yeah. Love Chanel, but that price point is wild. I've always wanted a Chanel bag, like so badly but yeah well, <laughs> we'll get one one day one day once that <laughs> blows up we'll get it no Chanel will be sending all of us bags we don't need to be paying for it because they're <laughs> sending it to us like exactly <laughs> yes well that concludes our talk but I do want to let everybody know whether you're listening to this right now or actually watching it physically this video recording will be saved and it will be put on my website as well as the raised magazine website so if you guys don't necessarily want to listen you at least watched (laughs) (laughs) visit um raisemagazine.com as well um like i said there's going to be the first issue of print coming out very soon so be looking out for that got some good things coming so yeah thanks grace thanks grace thanks well it's nice talking to you guys Nice talking to you.